You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jason, for praying. And I will ask you for help with this table. <laughs> um, I, I ask him for help because I recently had back surgery and um, I can stand and I can sit, uh, still working on lifting stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for those of you that have been part of the journey uh, praying for me, uh, I, my heart has been so blessed by this church. Um, from unrequested meal trains, you know, throughout like the week following the surgery and people like pouring in texts, phone calls, and just, I, I, my heart is ever grateful to this family. And that's what church is. That's what the mission is. It's family. So thank you. This back situation that I've been dealing with has been probably a drop or the last drop in a lot of things that I've been dealing with and that I didn't know were buried deep within my subconscious and within my, there were these emotions stirring in me and there was, there were these unresolved issues that I was dealing with that I, well, I wasn't dealing with. I didn't know they were there. Uh, maybe part of it is that I turned 40 back in October. I, that's not a midlife crisis. What is that? A, you know, you know, close to midlife crisis. I don't know. I don't understand that. Um, and I've, I've been dealing with a lot of just regret, uh, evaluating my life, past decisions, and, uh, and recently, um, anger. Anger has come up to the surface for me. Um, and it's one of those things that I, I share. I'm going to share it, but not in full detail because it's very personal to me. But it, it has shown up. It hasn't shown up probably with any of you, but my wife, she's definitely presenced it. Um, and it led me to go back to my therapist uh, and kind of say, hey, you know what? Uh, we always talk about my obsessive compulsive disorder and my anxiety. Uh, there's something else, and I didn't know that this was an issue, but anger. Um, and a lot of the anger and the regret has led me kind of to feel guilty um, and to embrace the practice of repentance um, in a fresh new way. Uh, I think repentance is one of those things that's really hard for us to deal with. Repenting requires us to humble ourselves it requires us to face sometimes issues that we don't want to face. It requires us uh, to fess up to God. And also, furthermore, what complicates it, at least for me, is a lot of religious imagery that is incorrect associated to repentance. I, this will be the 400th time that I've shared up on the stage that I'm a recovering Catholic, and I feel like the mission is a place for recovering all denominations, right? And, 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 and I, I don't, I'm not bashing Catholicism. On the contrary, actually, I have gone back to rediscover things of my Catholicism and, you know, my upbringing. So I'm not bashing Catholicism. I want to clarify that because we are here a family full of many 
denominational backgrounds. And now I can see the beauty in a lot of the things that I was taught through my Catholicism and have recovered them. But one of those things was, there, one of the bad things that I learned, it wasn't necessarily inherent in Catholicism, but more in my culture, in my upbringing in Puerto Rico, in, uh, an island in the Caribbean, Hispanic uh, 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 island, we, um, there was this, just this kind of negative connotation to repentance. And it was just... Um, yeah, it's one of those things that's just hard to face. Um, and I've found uh, through Scripture and God working through me that repentance is meant to be beautiful and it's meant to be uh, one of the most powerful experiences if we rightly understand its place in our relationship with God. And so I want us to turn today to Psalm 32. We're not going to read the whole psalm. We're just going to read part of it, just the first five verses, uh, both as a meditation and as a maybe liturgy that you can practice as part of your uh, maybe daily repentance or your ongoing repentance. Psalm 32 verses 1 through 5. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sat as in the heat of summer." Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And we'll stop right there. One of the things that I, that I think we take for granted with re, the practice of repentance is that when we don't make it a rhythm of our lives then we can feel the heaviness. We can feel the weight of some of the things that we're dealing with and that we don't want to face. And these can range from big to small. There, there's, I think there, there's a danger in focusing too much on the big ones and too much on the small ones. See, the big ones we, we avoid. We try to not even think about them because they make us feel like we're not good enough. They remind us of who we are not. We, ha we all have this built-up image of ourselves, that we are X amount of good, or that we are this, this person of integrity. But in reality, when we face the big mistakes of our past, we're reminded that we weren't that, or that maybe we aren't that, that we are not what we have built up in our imaginations as the person we're supposed to be. But then, if we focus too much on the big ones, the small ones can often build up over time and be left there unaddressed. We forget about them or treat them as not worthy of repentance. We need to keep the full range of our mistakes in the lens of repentance because it's freeing. It is freeing to do so. Point number one today, without repentance, we will feel the weight of our own mistakes. 
without repentance, we will feel the weight of our own mistakes. Now, I want us to focus on two things on that point today. One is the word weight, and one is hour. So weight and hour, those are key here. Because often I think that we, we, we understand the weight, we've experienced it, but sometimes we forget that the weight is actually pretty directly us. It's pretty directly us. If we understand how God relates to us. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 31. This is not on the screen. Uh, but just so you know, in chapter 4, Ephesians, Paul reminds us that the spirit that dwells within us can be grieved by the mistakes that we make and leave unaddressed. He tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. See, when we don't address these things, there is a friction within us, right? There is a friction that we feel because there is this dichotomy between who we're supposed to be in the spirit and who we are still progressing towards that. So it creates this heaviness, this weight that we feel. Whether we decide to address the big or the small ones, as long as we leave some of them unaddressed, we will feel that weight because the Holy Spirit is our new identity. And you have this struggle within you between the old and the new, who you're called to be in Christ, to look like Christ, to walk like Christ, to think like Christ, to talk like Christ. And we're so far away from it. So we feel this weight if we leave it unaddressed. We, we are called to just face it. But face it not in the way that I thought as a child that God is like standing looking at us and saying, yeah, face your mistake. Yeah. How does it feel? See, the demeanor of God, we've talked about this before. We see, and we'll see soon in a moment, we, we've seen it in the parable that Jesus tells us of the prodigal son. While that prodigal son was off in the distance, well, actually, before he was even coming home, before he had repented, he was sitting in the weight of his mistakes. He was sitting on that, that the, the consequences of his mistakes. And once he realizes and repents and simply turns, coming back home, the most beautiful image of that parable is that the father doesn't even allow this son to walk up to, to this person who is of great standing, who is of wealth, who is respected. No, the father was looking to the horizon. That's the image that we need to understand. Our relationship between us, repentance, and God is that repentance is simply a U-turn. When we don't repent, we're facing going in the other direction. And it's not that the father is waiting and standing there, yeah, I hope you realize what you did. He's desperately looking to the horizon. 
He's waiting for you to come home. (laughs) He's waiting. He's looking to the horizon. And when he sees that you're coming, he doesn't even allow you to come or even finish your sentences. He runs recklessly, leaving all stature aside. He runs desperately to encounter you. To shush your, your, your request for forgiveness. No, 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 no. Let me robe you. Let me put a ring on you. This is who you are. Come home. That's the demeanor of the Father. If we understand that the relationship between repentance, ourselves, and the Father is that of a U-turn, just simply turning to a Father who's just looking to the horizon. He's waiting for you. He's just waiting for you. And this is not, again, this applies to big or small. Maybe you're someone that's been far away from the Father. Or maybe you just have, like me, some unresolved issues that I need to face and not leave lingering in me. Whether big or small, repentance is the most beautiful opportunity for direct encounter with a loving God who's just waiting to run to you. He just can't force you to U-turn. He can't. You have to U-turn. <laughs> in Luke 15, which is the prodigal son story, or where the prodigal son story is, you, you see that the prodigal son says to the father before he leaves, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And then he, a few days later, takes off. And he, it says in In Luke 15, verse 13, it says, He squandered his property in reckless living. See, when we feel the weight of our own mistakes and the so-called wrath of God, we've talked about that here before, the wrath of God is just the release. It's that father that says, yes, you can leave if you want, but you're going to live out the consequences of leaving my roof of leaving my protection, of leaving the abundance of this family. So when we go and live out, the so-called weight that we feel, the wrath of our own mistakes is really that. It's that we've been released because we went like, gimme, let go. And off you went. So when we feel that weight, we need to understand that it is just like in this parable, there's a reason for it. He squandered his property in reckless living. Then he ends up with the pigs and looking for something to eat. Well, that wasn't, that's, that's the picture of wrath that we should have in our heads, the so-called wrath of God, which unfortunately has too many heavy religious imagery in our lives. The reality is the wrath is just the release. In Romans 1, Paul says it. He releases us. That's what the wrath of God is. is that we insist, we insist, let go, let go, God. Let me go, let me. And he says, fine. And we're out of that sovereign protection of the house of God. And we, we reap with our actions the consequences of our own lives. That's all it is. Big or small. Big or small, unresolved anger that I leave there, eventually I snap out to Katya. Eventually something happens and I, and it's, there it is. It was me. 
But the father's disposition is that of looking to the horizon. He's just waiting for you to come home. That's the beauty of the gospel. It just if, if anything, if Jesus moves you, sit today on that parable. Sit this week on the parable of the prodigal son. I guarantee you it'll wash over you so much of this negative imagery that we have with sin, repentance, and grace. We'll get a proper picture of it. Whether big or small, there's other, there are, there are re, other reasons why sometimes we, we choose to not face our mistakes and not repent. We, we sometimes, sometimes repentance is hard because we know we should feel sorry, but we don't. Has anyone struggled with that? that that's me. I've been dealing with that recently a lot. Like I know I'm supposed to be, feel so, sorry about this. I know that you say I'm wrong about this, but I don't feel wrong. This doesn't feel wrong. That itself is an opportunity for repentance. You can, you can repent for feeling unrepentant. You know that? You can. And God will bless you through that. You can repent for feeling unrepentant. Man, that's me all the time. <laughs> all the time. Because I've got this whole... You know, I was, I, was, I was just in Puerto Rico for a high school reunion, and we were joking about what we used to be, and I was telling my friends, I was like this weird emo storm, you know? <laughs> like, I, I had this emo storm in me up until my early 20s, and it was ridiculous. Um, and sometimes, but sometimes we're dealing with a lot of emotions in us, um, and we feel a certain way about how things should be. Someone has wronged us. No. I, th- th- why should I be sorry? Why should I apologize to them? They wronged me. Why should I forgive them? They still treat me this way. Ooh, that one's big. Why should I forgive them? How, God, how am I? I know I'm supposed to forgive them, but they're still treating me this way. That reminder, that, oh, it's, it's tough. But we can repent of our unrepenting feelings. See, point number two, repentance in its full form invites us to meditate on the why of our thoughts, actions, deeds, or whatever. See, repentance is meant to be a deep self-examination exercise. It's almost like a therapy session with the Father. We repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry because I keep snapping my anger at people, or I'm sorry because I keep lusting, or I'm sorry because I keep, I'm envious uh, of this person. I want this, or I'm sorry because I, I, I can't forgive this person. That's not enough. Let, let, let's say it this way, because that verbiage can, can be mistranslated to religious hurt. It's not that it's not enough. <laughs> It's not deep enough. It's not deep enough. And the Father invites us to examine and go deep and ask ourselves, well, why? Why am I angry about this? What is it that is causing this emotion in me? Why is it that I feel entitled to this? What am I not trusting about the promises of God? 
that leads me to act on this over and over again. Or it might be that when you ask the why, you realize, like me, you know what? I need to address this with my therapist, and that's okay. I need, to, I, I need to seek help for this. I need to talk with Pastor Jason. I need to talk with whoever it is. But I need to seek help to address some of these feelings. We must meditate on the why behind our thoughts. Now, here's the thing. We, repentance should lead to transformation, but if we don't go deep enough in that repentance and ask ourselves the why, the transformation is at a distance. We often struggle as Christians with, well, I'm supposed to be a new person and the spirit is supposed to change me. And we just kind of sit, come on, most of you have been there, you just kind of sit and wait for God to zap you into the person you're supposed to be, right? Well, it's supposed to be by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms us. So, Holy Spirit, I'm waiting for the fruit. I'm waiting for that new heart, Jesus. Give me that new heart. And that's not how the transformation is meant to work. The Bible is a collection of ancient scrolls that are meant to be meditation literature. You have to meditate on this stuff. And I don't mean, um, no. I mean, think about it. Paul calls Timothy to think on these things. So we, we need to think deeply. We're waiting for this new heart that was promised in the Old Testament because, God, I, I don't act the right way. I repent, but I keep doing the wrong stuff. Could you change me, zap me? Yes, he zaps, but not, he doesn't do the Thanos snap, right? He doesn't do that. He, he transforms us through careful thoughtful meditation that invites him into the dialogue. If your dialogue in your head is isolated, is it an echo chamber, then you're just going to self-validate how you feel you should act. But if you invite God into that echo chamber, get rid of that echo chamber mentality, invite him and vent. Be like the psalmist who often frustrating in his frustration Tells God this, this, and that. But invite God into the th process of that thinking inside of you. See, Psalm 51, one of the, probably the most famous repentance psalm says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And again, we think, do we wait for that to happen? It is God who does it, but he does it through our actions. We can't wait to be zapped. God zaps through our movement. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will no longer satisfy the desires of the flesh. In Galatians 5, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so we, we kind of wait for the fruit because it's supposed to be the Spirit, not me. But if you were in ancient, if you were in the first century uh, Israel, if you were a first century Israelite and you heard this language, like you understand this imagery of fruit. Now, here's a, a, an important question. When you see vegetation, what causes the vegetation? It's sunlight and it's rain. Right? 
proper soil and all that. But do we sometimes, aren't we invited to garden, to take care, to, to help provide the environment so that it thrives? Because often we can just trample over soil. See, the fruit of the Spirit requires us to be gardeners of our hearts. Now, is the fruit yours? No. The sunlight and the rain, that's God. You're just making a nice little pathway in the garden. You're just trimming and giving it an aesthetic. So we are invited to walk by the Spirit. If I want repentance to have its full-fledged form, I need to meditate on why. I need to think. I need to be active. I need to move into action, into examining why I do what I do. It's not just, I'm sorry, God, but I'm, I'm sorry. Can you help me figure this out? And let me think about the why. Psalm 139 reminds us that we should invite God to examine. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Have a dialogue. Look, acknowledge your emotions. Tell the Father, I'm frustrated. They did this to me. Some of you are unable to forgive because you were wronged physically in various ways that I'm not going to get into, into details because we have children in the house, right? There's been some heavy stuff that some of you have lived. All of us have lived to some extent, but you need to invite God into that dialogue. Vent your frustration. Talk about why you are unable to let go, but don't make it an echo chamber. Bring the Father in. Allow His gospel of grace to marinate your conversation. And slowly but surely, transformation will have its effect. Repentance is in its full form. Point number three. Through repentance, God meets us beautifully and smashes our expectations. Through repentance, God meets us beautifully and smashes our expectations. Again, I, we have to turn here to the imagery of the, of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son realizes how his own mistakes isolated him from God and created this environment of death, decay, and lack of provision, when he realizes this, he realizes, I must turn around. I will arise and go to my father. And he, he says to himself, I, Father, this is what I'm going to tell my father. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. But then it says again, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. The father said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet like the son that never left. That's repentance. We need to get rid of this negative imagery. It, it, we hate to face who we are. 
or who, who we are in the flesh. But the beauty is that when we embrace repentance, we have a beautiful encounter with the Father that says, let me robe you. <laughs> You're my son. And you will always have that identity because of Christ. You will always be treated like the son that never left. Because of Christ... I will be seen by Christ. I love saying this, but John, in John 17, when Jesus prays, Jesus reminds us that the Father loves you like he loves his son, Jesus. You do realize that regardless of the weight you're carrying, the unrepented weight that you're carrying in you, Jesus, the Father loves you the way he loves Jesus. If you don't believe me, go to John 17 and find it. He loves you the way he loves Jesus. What else? That's the beautiful exchange. We are loved as royally as Jesus is loved. Embrace repentance as a beautiful encounter with God. In Hebrews it says... This is the covenant. Basically, it says that the Holy Spirit tells us that the covenant that I will make with them, quoting the Old Testament, after those days, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Again, that new heart that we're invited to be a part of in the process. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Forgotten, clean, done. I don't deserve that, God. I'm messed up. Done forgotten. Jason said earlier, quoting another psalm, as far as east is from the west, those are diametrically opposed. It doesn't get further than that. So it makes sense that in James it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's just looking in the horizon. And it's tied to repentance because when you finish that verse, it says, cleanse your hands you're, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're invited to examine our minds. We're invited to examine ourselves because when we do, when we draw near to God through repentance, he runs to you. He will draw near to you. You want to feel the thickest presence of God, run to repentance. Run to him. He's already waiting, looking through the horizon. As the worship team comes up, I don't know, but the Spirit knows what you're maybe unrepentant of. Maybe you're, there's something stuck there. Maybe it's lack of forgiveness. You can't forgive someone. You can't let go. Maybe it's unrelenting anger like me as I was sharing all this anger that has come up recently from within. I, I feel justified in my anger because I feel this is what's fair. Maybe it's something that, that you've left unresolved. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's, it's living for just a purely material life. Maybe it's whatever it is. Whatever it is, God is saying, by letting go, by repenting, I'm inviting you to embrace me, to be treated like royalty. You've left the palace. But I, I, I want to take that corner of your heart that's still unsurrendered. I want you to surrender it because 
I want to treat you fully like royalty, every corner of your heart, every corner of your mind. I want to treat you like royalty because I love you. I love you the way I love Jesus. So I know it's hard. You're holding on to it. But there's such a release with repentance. Psalm 51. I'm just going to pray, end by praying a few verses sporadically from Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2, and then 10. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, or unfailing love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Father, that means that there's no record anymore of it. To blot out my transgressions is to remove all record. It never happened. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Search me, O God, as it says in Psalm 139. Lead me. Show me what can I do. How can I garden what you grow? I want to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. I want to be an active gardener in my heart. I want to turn towards you. Father, I pray right now that anyone that is still right now struggling to let go, that the heart of stone would be melted into a new heart, that you would shower them with love. They're fighting right now, but you're saying, I love you. I love you. I've always loved you. Regardless of the image that any other church, any other religious person has put in me, misrepresenting God, regardless of that, you're saying, I love you. I'm more than the mistakes of man. I'm more than the bad sheep. God loves you profoundly, undeservingly. He's so good. That's who he is. It's not like he has to like, all right, I got to love. No, that's, that's who Yahweh is. May we surrender it all. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redland. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.